Epcot Center celebrates human achievements and innovation born from imagination. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. All of us at Epcot Center are glad to have you as our guests today. It isn't just a resort, it isn't just a world's fair, not just a cavalcade of wizardry, technology, and flair. But the most exciting, and by far the most important part of our Florida project, in fact, the heart of everything we'll be doing in Disney World will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. W, w Radio, your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 609. And I'm here once again, not only to help you have the best possible vacation experience when you come to the Disney parks, but I also want to bring you some of that Disney magic wherever you are with the podcast, my live video broadcast on Facebook every Wednesday night, videos, blog, books, audio tours, and more. Whether it's your first time visiting or you've been hundreds of times, if you're planning your next vacation or just love the history, details, secrets, and stories, there's something in the show for you because each week I'm going to take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between. And if you're a new listener, thank you, welcome. Please go back and check out some or all the past episodes for interviews, top tens, reviews, and more. You can subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or Spotify and find everything else at www.radio.com. So in my continuing series highlighting the music of Walt Disney World, this week we begin our journey through Epcot Center as we make our way through Future World. We'll also look at not just the genesis and evolution of the music in the park, shows, and attractions, but the masterful composers and arrangers behind it. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for information, updates, and why you should tune in this week especially to our Wednesday night WDW Radio live show. So sit back... Relax and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Epcot is a melting pot of so many cultures, ideas, ideals, technologies, and literal and figurative flavors. It's also a place where you can hear music that is as diverse as the pavilions and cultures, from Herman's Hermits to the Sherman Brothers, Yanni, Yodeling, Debussy, all within just a few minutes and a few steps of one another. But it's also a place where names like Bob Moline and Richard and Robert Sherman, Bruce Broughton, Exitensio, Buddy Baker, George Wilkins, and so many other legendary composers and musicians have left their indelible marks. And like every Disney park, Epcot is meant to be savored with all five senses and in 360 degrees. And what you hear is as important as what you see, 
smell, touch, and yes, dare I say, even taste. In fact, one may argue that the music of Epcot Center includes some of the greatest, most memorable, and impactful works from the masters who created them. And so this week, in our continuing series highlighting the music in the magic, we will look at the music of Epcot Center, starting with Future World. And joining me on this musical journey through the park and the years are some makers of magic in their own ways, Lisa Donato Glasner from the CastleRun.com and Core Memory Candles. Hey, Lou, thanks for having me. This is, I'm so, so excited for this topic. We'll see if you feel that way when we're done. Jason Knapp is here from here with the magic and after hours on the Facebook. Hello, hello. You had me at Yanni. <laughs> you had me at Yanni. And this is going to be an interesting conversation. And rounding out the uh, the quartet is going to be Zach Brown. And I realize that I need to say not that Zach Brown, but in my estimation, he is Z- the Zach Brown from the Zach Brown Show podcast. Everybody, so excited to be here and talking about my favorite Walt Disney World park. And I have to admit, I don't even know who the other Zach Brown is. I'm not lying. Um, because- That's okay. Because basically all, and and this is why I love this topic, because really all of the music that is on my mobile device is from the parks, a lot of it from Epcot Center and the 80s and Walt Disney World in the 80s, um, including and this probably especially Epcot Center. And one of the things that I love about the music from this park, really as opposed to any of the other locations, in, in Walt Disney World, really, is that there are so many different styles of music um, here in the past, uh, from Impressionism classical to New Age, electroacoustic to jazz, folk songs to world cultural songs, and there's soars, scores and songs from modern legends, as well as, especially now, some familiar uh, movie and show tunes, and I think that the ubiquitous nature of the music in the parks really helps to define the the spirit and the sensation which embodies the essence of Epcot, right? It's about enthusiasm and opportunity, hope and amazing stories. And I wanted to start, you know, where we enter. I wanted to start in, in Future World because I realized there's no way we'll be able to do all of the music in one show without it being a six-hour uh, adventure, but, and which is also why you realize it's such a daunting task to create an audio tour for this park and each of the pavilions because there is so much great music here, which is why we're going to divide this into hopefully just two parts. We're going to talk about Future World, and then in the future, we'll come back and talk about World Showcase, the parades, and nighttime spectaculars. And my thought, like what we did in Magic Kingdom, was to go through the entire park almost as we are walking it together um, through the past and into and through the different pavilions. And we'll talk about the theme songs, the background music uh, from the past and present. And, you know, we'll start with I want to start off by talking a little bit about how we got here, because there's a little bit of a journey to and and through Epcot history. But, you know, when we um, when, when I did the 
the music of Magic Kingdom, um, and I was thinking about continuing on. Actually, Zach, you came to me and you said, Lou, I hate to even ask this, but man, when you get to Epcot Center, like I totally want to be in. And when I talked to Lisa and Jason, there was this additional type of enthusiasm. What is it for you? For each of you, um, you know, and I'll, um, I have to do ladies first. So Lisa, Zach, and then Jason, what is it for you about the music overall of Epcot Center that you think makes this park and the music within it so special? So for me, I think it's the extent to which it's ever present, but in an almost unnoticeable way. And you guys might know, like I, I do sense as a part of what I do and, and the, the power of, of olfactory things. And for me, the music of Epcot hits me in the same way. It's the kind of thing that um, you almost don't know it's, it's there, but it, it almost, it, it, it evokes emotion to such an extent um, in Epcot in particular. And I don't think I can say that really about any other park. Um, I think um, Jason, we did a we did an after hour show on music during the um, the park closure, and and I when I was prepping for that show, it was very emotional for me. It was almost difficult to listen to some of the music because I missed it so much. And I think when Epcot finally did reopen, it was the only park that I cried at when I walked in the front gate, and I cried because I heard the music. Um, and so. I, you know, and, and it's funny, most of the songs that I'm going to talk about most meaningfully during the show, I probably couldn't really hum well for you or articulate very well. But when I hear them, they affect me in such a powerful way. Um, yeah. And that's I mean, that's why I had wanted so much to be a part of the show. I would echo what Lisa says in that it's it is a very ever present thing that you can't necessarily put your finger on the music of epcot is like the essence of the park it it's like a it's a movie score it's like a soundtrack as you're walking through and it really just sets this bright uplifting tone and just a kind of very inspiring feeling um as you walk around the different lands for for me it's the music of my life like i I've loved this music for so long that as soon as I could purchase it, I purchased it. Whenever there was an album, I would buy it. That was like the one thing I would have to purchase when I was in the parks. If there's a new Epcot album, I would buy it. And then I would start to track down once we had Songza and Shazam and things like that. Those apps that allow you to figure out what that song is playing. Anytime there was some music playing in the park, I would you know, find it and buy it on iTunes if I could. And so now after decades of listening to these songs, I forget that they're Epcot songs. And so I have them on these playlists and then I hear them in the park and it, it's like, they, it truly is this reflection of my life. Um, sort of like, what do they say? Art imitating life or that sort of thing. It's, it's, it's like, it's in my DNA and I could not possibly imagine an Epcot without its music. Um, and I think the challenge for me in terms of preparing for this was not just the volume of music there is to kind of kind of revisit and, and sort of relearn about, but also separating the old music from the new music because those lines are so blurred in my head. And so you know, I apologize in advance if I start to drift in and out of like what music is still around. Consciousness. Music, is it? Well, because there's, it's just all Epcot music to me. It's like it, it will always exist forever. Yeah, Whether and it's I think, there or not. 
and I think the 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 current versus past music is going to come up more than once in terms of changes that have come to this park. And Disney fans are sometimes very protective, very sensitive of what is classic and meaningful to them. And sometimes they don't like change. Um, but we'll, we will certainly touch on the various types of music. But I think we need to sort of set the stage a little bit in terms of how we got here. Because as as I was thinking about this show, I was thinking about the genesis of, of Epcot itself and, and really the music. Because if you think about it, you know, the creation of Epcot Center was this incredibly overwhelming task. Again, Walt Disney passes, there really is no clear path to whatever... They were trying to figure Walt had in his mind and the concept of this Epcot in, you know, experimental prototype community of tomorrow really sat for, you know, almost eight years before they started to figure out what to do. And really, it was Card Walker, uh, who was CEO at the time, you know, went to Marty Sklar and says, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about this? you know, Epcot project that obviously has to start taking flight at some point. And they go through over this eight years trying to figure out what it should be, you know, in their minds versus what they thought, you know, what Walt might have wanted. And during that time, there's the technical aspects, there is the financial aspect, there is the cultural aspect in terms of of outreach to uh, international and domestic corporations who had to come on board, much like Disneyland, in order to make Epcot Center happen. And even as they started to break ground, like physically break ground on this project, at some point, they started thinking about all of the important elements and they there's almost this realization like, you know what? There is something that we haven't really thought or talked about and haven't really seen anything new in more than a decade. And it was the music, because if you think about it, you know, Marty Sklar during Epcot's 30th actually talked about this. He said that they realized that there hadn't been a new song written for the parks since 1969 when Exitensio wrote Grim Grinning Ghosts for Haunted Mansion and Yo-Ho for Pirates of the Caribbean. And they're like, wait a minute, this is like 12, 13 years with no new music. We need to fix that. So, you know, who who does who do you think Marty calls first? Uh, hi, Richard Sherman? Yeah, we need we need some music stat for Epcot. So, you know, and we'll the name Sherman Brothers is going to come up over and over again, but One Little Spark and Magic Journeys and Making Memories for Journey into Imagination were one of the some of the first that they created, but there were so many other pavilions that were in development that they realized that, you know, as as um as much as the Sherman brothers could write, they could not write every single theme for every single Epcot pavilion. And it was really interesting. Uh, again, some of the names we're going to talk about, how we sort of keep repeating them. Um, one of the names that, and I and I love the story, is Bob Moline. Um, he was a, a young songwriter that at one time performed for a group of Disneyland executives and they were so impressed that they asked him to write a jingle for Disneyland called it could only happen at Disneyland. And 
although he was not as well-known or had as many uh, accolades, obviously, as the Sherman brothers did, they wanted to tap into him very early on for Epcot. So he might have written, you know, one or two things like Listen to the Land, Canada, Your Lifetime Journey, Energy, You Make the World Go Round, Golden Dreams, like the list goes on and on. And again, Marty during the 30th talked about how taking a, a chance, taking a gamble on this talent, um, finding him literally in a bar in Newport Beach um, and the continuing contributions that he had um, to not just Epcot Center, but but even other um, parks here in Walt Disney World is, is incredible. Um, and I love hearing the stories about the people and how these things came to be. But I, I want to sort of start even before we walk into the park. Um, I think sometimes, much like Magic Kingdom, before you even get to the first attraction, before you step foot onto Main Street or here in Epcot into Future World, because that's where we're going to enter from, the entrance music loop that you hear as just as you're getting to the ticket booths and you're and you're walking your way through, I still call them turnstiles, even though there's no, there's no turnstiles anymore, really helps not only to set the stage, but like Magic Kingdom, you hear a lot of the songs that are almost like coming attractions for like like a movie like a you know movie coming attractions for what you're going to hear when you get into the park um, and and this too, Jason, to your point changed from the 80s to the 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 turn of the century literally um to what we have now but do you guys when you step into the park are you aware of that background music and some of the familiar songs from the attractions yeah i mean it envelops me and that's what i've talked about before the when the park reopened and i literally cried for the first time since the reopening when I was walking into the Epcot gates for the first time, the instrumental golden dream just happened to be playing in that moment. And I just lost it. Um, and I, I feel like that this is where the line almost starts to blur between past and present, because one of the things that the Imagineers do so well in Epcot more than any other park, I think is to realize what their fans want and what their fans cling to. Just like, you know, just like no matter what happens with imagination, figment will always be a staple in Epcot. I think like so many of the extinct attractions have a role in that entrance loop. Um, you know, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience and, you know, and Energy Adventure and, and, and things like that you hear, you know, in addition to the, you know, the existing attractions and, you know, things like David Arkenstone stuff. Um, and it, yeah, and it, and, it, and it just sort of sweeps you in as you're walking through the gate. I think so many of those scores, it's, it, it's really cool because it's almost like it carries right on the wind as you walk up. You might not know the exact moment when it starts, but it just kind of fades in and you know you're home. And for me, like I love when the music comes in at Magic Kingdom and it's great, but there are all these themes for the different adventures that we know and love. And like you're saying, it's it's the the coming attractions, but it's almost like it's those familiar songs on the radio, except they're again, it's all those George Wilkins scores that just so resonate and it's cool because they might be just a couple moments of one before it goes to the next how it just kind of flows into one overall thought that is epcot it's it's a really amazing thing and i applaud everybody who's putting together these tracks um they've done a, a phenomenal job i think that it, it's this is my this may sound contradictory but the music is such an important part of the experience at Epcot 
but I also feel like out of all the parks, it is the most subtle in terms of how it envelops you in the music and the sounds because it, it as we were as Lisa was talking, Zach was talking, I was thinking to myself, like, is there a particular song that that jumps out at me that I have heard? You know, it's not like it's not like a Magic Kingdom or Hollywood Studios where you or even Animal Kingdom when when you go in and you hear like this very familiar, like, oh, there's that song. I know I'm in this park. For me with Epcot, it's 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 so subtle but omnipresent and um I don't know, it's just uh it's so, so funny that, that Lisa mentioned David Ar- Arkenstone because I I don't remember whether I heard his stuff before or after it was introduced at Epcot because I had I I'm kind of a weird young adult when I had all these neur- like Narada CDs and stuff that that his he was he was like all over those those tracks and then when I heard him in Epcot it felt like I was home um, and I hear it now I still hear his stuff now and it just it I can't um, I couldn't tell you like where the music starts, honestly. And so it's a little embarrassing when you say, you know, when you're walking up to the turnstiles and you hear the music, I'm like, I, okay. I, I don't know. I, cause of all the parks, I can't tell you that I could definitively say like, oh, this is where the music begins. Right. Like and I, I think that's a, and that's a testament to George Wilkins, who was the composer of the original and then the 2001 uh, updated version um, and George Wilkins had only joined the company I think like three years earlier um, he was brought on really as a as a protege to Buddy Baker um, can I ask you a question you just did okay so so one of the entrance songs that I know that is like I have in I can that can actually play into my head is is I think called Legacy I but I I, I swear I couldn't tell you whether it's currently whether it's a current song or whether it's an old extinct Epcot entrance song. Um, and I think that's one of the conundrums that I have is that I, that, that, that uh, the entrance music. And for me, I couldn't tell you whether it begins, whether that's something that you hear before you enter the park or after you're into the park. It's just to me that when I hear that sound, that music, it's the sound of Epcot. And it's the sound of walking into Epcot. And it's a, the it, the entr- the entrance loop like to your point is so interesting because it doesn't feel like there are starting and stopping points and really any breaks you know it's fun to brief be free transitions seamlessly into magic journeys one little spark listen to the land and you're right you sort of don't remember what songs were in the original and which are in the current loop because they've been on our devices for so many years and we just sort of listen to them the same way. Um, I, you know, I'm very much a, an overly sentimental nostalgic. So there's a lot of, of me that um, has a a personal affinity to some of the early original songs, but I think you're right. If, if they were sort of side by side, I would have to listen really carefully and be like, well, wait, Ellen's energy adventure is in the, was in the current one, but universe of energy was in, the original and that's how we sort of distinguish because it's a long loop it's like a 52 minute loop um for for the entrance epcot entrance medley so and that's uh, just a long time to stand there in the plaza frankly 
It is. But when you listen to it on Spotify or, you know, and you have it on your uh, your device. And Jason, by the way, it's perfectly OK. The statute of limitations is run. You can admit that you use Napster and Winamp. So it's fine. No, I know. I, w- I never did. I swear to you. I never I never did. Probably because I didn't know how. But um, as soon as I could buy this stuff and then I got really irritated, of course, after we could after you could just subscribe to like Spotify and things like that. And you didn't have to buy stuff anymore because I have it all. Well, but it was frustrating, too, for Thousands years not being able to find the music um, to even, you know, there was a time where there was, a, you know, the Four Parks One World CD. There was um, it was like the Magic of Walt. There was a couple of different CDs. It was actually the, the oh, God, it was called the Wonderland CD system where you actually used to be able to go and pick out tracks and make a custom CD of songs from the parks. Um, oh, there I was wish a, they had that. I think yeah. They, they, yeah, that would... I think I may remember that. Yeah, I know that there was one in Magic Kingdom. I believe there was one in Epcot. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly where it was. But fortunately now we have the the luxury and the gift of Spotify and so many ways that we can bring these things home because the music does mean so much to us, especially for those people who can't get to the parks that often. Um, but let's let's get... Uh, let's make our way in, and our, our first stop is obviously in Spaceship Earth, which has gone through a number of different, um, not just themes, but a number of different narrators over time. And, you know, there's this original theme to the the opening day Spaceship Earth, Spaceship Earth by uh, Edo Guadati, um, that you would you don't know his name, but you know the song if you hear it, but I think when a lot of people think about Spaceship Earth, the first two words that come to mind is Tomorrow's Child uh, from the 86 to 94 Walter Cronkite version. You, I remember Walter Cronkite. I, again, I don't, I couldn't tell you that I remember that version paired up with his name, but I know that version in my head. I mean, of course I know that version of the song. Um, I don't think I can remember when it switched over from from the Guadati version to the Brawlton version of the but they're both amazing and so when you so whenever I hear them play now I think I think oh for sure this is the spaceship earth the soundtrack for sure and then and then so if you're hearing the Guadati version you think because the finale the finale of the Guadati version is fantastic mm-hmm. I mean like tears kind of fantastic and then but then when you hear the Broughton version it's it's also amazing incredible the whole Starfield piece you can't separate that music from the Starfield it's and um, so for me the narr- the the music is more I know people get hung up on like who's the best narrator and so on and so forth for, for me and also some people get hung up on like the smell of room burning and whatever <laughs> but like for me this the, the um, soundtrack of Spaceship Earth old or new version or i should say previous or current version is um it is the attraction and, and the only thing i will say is i think that in the current version there you were missing a moment and there was a moment when your vehicle turned and you got into the top of the globe and there's that reveal of earth and there's this incredible like soaring you sort of feel it in your heart and the the judy dench version doesn't have that it it sort of lacks that impactful moment a little bit which was one of the things other than 
do you remember when how you learned the ABC nonsense? But other than that, that was the thing that I missed when the version switched over. See, I still feel like that. I still feel like I get that. The the, the I mean, it's you can't. I can't compare it now, right? But I still feel like you. I mean, you still get the the vehicle turning around and the big reveal. I mean, she. There was there was this soaring. It's not as big. Yeah, you're. No. That's that's yeah. true. That's true. No, it doesn't you feel as it. grand. Yeah, you feel it. It's interesting because the songs are so different. You know, I feel like that's the truth for a lot of Epcot. You know, some of the sort of throwback songs that we all love are more sing-songy and lyrical and, you know, fun to sing. And the new music, like, is probably admittedly much closer to my heart, but, like, I would need to hear it to sing it because it's, you know, it's it's that subtle sort of background um, background music. And, you know, I, I, I definitely... You know, while I have so much respect for Dame Judi Dench, she's certainly not my favorite Spaceship Earth narrator. But I will say that the Bruce Broughton music grabs me at least as much as, to say the least, as Tomorrow's Child. And I, Tomorrow's Child was the song of my childhood, and I, and I love it. And it's sort of the, like you said, the two words that you associate with walking up to Spaceship Earth. Um, but yeah, no, the Bruce Broughton music is, um, I, I admittedly like it at least as much as tomorrow's child, which feels sacrilegious to say. It is like, sacrilegious to say. But as far as a gut reaction, peaceful. Well, as far as a gut reaction, like I, I think I react emotionally at least as strongly to the current version. They're different because not narration wise. One is a score and one is a song, so mm-hmm. they are going to impact us differently, and that's why I think they sort of can exist in in the world of a Spaceship Earth fan, Zach. I think that's really the overarching thing, what we're going to see with a lot of these attractions where the original were sing song, almost like late seventies, early eighties jingles, where the new stuff that I think really saturates into us are these scores and they're deep and they're moving and they're emotional. And some of them are waltzes and ballads, whatever, but they're just moving. They're really beautiful tracks. So yeah, tomorrow's child is beautiful, but the Bruce Broughton track, is really what does it for me. See, for me, I'm a, I'm a, again, I'm a kid of the eighties. So tomorrow's child and the Walter Cronkite narration was, was more meaningful because I think the lyrics were so important, especially initially to get across the message of what Epcot center was. So when you're talking about reaching for hope and desire and building a world to inspire, that encapsulates exactly what not just Spaceship Earth was, but what Epcot Center was supposed to be. Um, you know, and look, even you know, we can have a separate conversation about the descent today versus what the descent was so many years ago. But that song that was sung by Sally Stevens, um, who's actually, she's a very accomplished singer. She sang on How the West Was Won, uh, the, the Sound of Music. And um, that that song, which was a very long song, too, for that attraction. I mean, it sort of went for almost the, the duration of the attraction. I, I think for those people who grew up with that, those lyrics are, are so much more meaningful. And look, the the Bruce Broughton version is a 60 plus piece orchestra, it's a 24 voice choir and it is very music moving on an emotional level, but I think there's like if I asked you to sing it, it would be very difficult, but I could belt out Tomorrow's Child, Tomorrow's Child gathering gifts from our past, mm-hmm. shaping a world that will last like there's nobody's business because 
because of what it meant to be and because of how many times I, I rode that attraction. I don't think they're mutually exclusive, though. I think they're both fantastic. I mean, I think that's 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 my point is that you could you don't have either to of those sound. You don't have to choose. I mean, we, we don't we don't really get to choose. Right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome if you could push a button? Which soundtrack would you like on this? The soundtrack yeah, and the narrator. You're yeah, like narrator. Right. If yes. you could pick and horizons, pick if you could pick, choose your own, uh, choose your own best. voyage. Anyone's <laughs> listening who's involved in the refurb. Please do that. Listen, I challenge you, and maybe we'll do this. Wait, we're going to go to the parks one day, and we're going to play Tomorrow's Child in our earbuds as we ride. And you can, whether you take the Jeremy Irons narration or Walter Cronkite, whoever it is that you want, and re-experience Spaceship Earth the way it used to be. And if, like But you've got to time it right, because when that when your vehicle turns around and there's that reveal... I'm telling you, it like it hits you in on an emotional level, dare I say. But with my luck, I'm definitely a fan of that moment over the current version. Yeah. Um, But in in keeping with the tone of Spaceship Earth, I will tell you that east, west, north and south, all roads from here lead not to Rome, but to future world. And before we dive into the individual pavilions and attractions, I think it take it, it's important to take a minute to step back and look at Future World itself because it really, you know, it's almost like two separate and distinct parks, East and West, which are basically backwards because East is on your left and, and West is on your right, which is opposite. But, you know, as you head towards World Showcase, it's actually South and East and West both have different themes and messages, I think, and and the and soundtracks that reflect that. So the music is very much tied to what you see. So, for example, on the West side, it, the seas, the land, imagination, it's more about the things that are natural and free-flowing and, you know, the, the, the soft sciences, as it were, and creativity and nature. So everything is very curvy and there's no straight lines at all. Every, even the, the planters, like look at the planters. Everything is is um, is wavy, curved lines, whereas Future World East are the hard sciences, math and engineering. So there's universe of energy and mission space and test track. And everything is straight and angled and, and cuts into certain points. And I think the music, if you really sort of pay close attention to it, it reflects those two connected yet somewhat different approaches to the math and and arts and sciences. Um, You'll hear a lot of instrumental arrangements, uh, probably more than anywhere else in um, Disney. And I think it's, it's futuristic in nature, but not in the same way as Tomorrowland is, right? Where where it sounds more sci-fi and futurist, future-ish. This is more about a modern look into the future, as it were, both on the east and west side. So you're telling me that, so the ambient area music is different on the west side versus the east side. 
I'm telling you everything. Along with the planters, which now I'm like, I gotta, I gotta now, I gotta pay attention to the planters. But is that what you're saying? I am. It's what I'm saying. Because so now I feel like I have to give you, I have to get because all the music that I like from Future World. Now I'm kind of (laughs) nervous that it hell is all going to be on one side, and it might be. And it going to be. It might be. This might be a very interesting psychosociological look at into the mind of Jason Knapp based on the the songs that you like or or don't. Um, And when, so when you go in, do you go left towards energy or do you go right toward what, which isn't going to be guardians, but we're going to talk about universe of energy or do you go right towards the more, do you go math or do you go creative? Or do you go right towards the sissy side? Is that what you're asking me if I go towards <laughs> I go the sissy? Yes. I, I go right. Go I, go right. Oh, I was just about to say there's side. only one way to go and it's left. Left. Zach I meant left. Which the other right. The other. No. <laughs> I always go to the land first. That's my favorite future world pavilion. If you say it's because you're going to sunshine seasons, that's okay. Okay, uh, that's definitely the reason why, 100%. Well, we're going to do it the correct way, and we're going to go left. <laughs> okay. All right. Just that's like when fine. I go to Magic Kingdom, it's the same way. I sort of follow the, the clockwise pattern. Um, I go into right in City Hall. I, <laughs> I go right to City Hall. I go right to the popcorn bucket, um, <laughs> although I enter on the right-hand side of the train station. Well, that is and, the correct side. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's start off with the universe of energy, which obviously may she rest in peace. Um, you know, for some people, universe of energy was the place to get out of the heat, give your kids a nap, uh, take a nap yourself. I always, I love that attraction and I love that pavilion. And in the past, and I won't sort of rehash it, we've done a, a deep dive into universe of energy. And from a musical perspective, going back to the first iteration of the attraction in the pavilion it had not one but two of what i think are some of the best songs and scores in the epcot center soundtrack through all of its history energy you make the world go round best right by akasha and Zoe. Buddy Baker's Universe of Energy, um, that that background score too. They very much felt like they were because they were 1980, 1982 pieces of music. But still to this day, I find those original two Universe of Energy songs and scores to be some of the best music in Epcot. Period. See all the forms and the faces of nature taking its course And feel all the wonderful motion flowing through things far and near Nature will share her secrets when we are ready to hear energy These are a few of your Bob Moline singing Energy You Make the World Go Round I didn't realize I could feel emotional about energy, like <laughs> like warm and fuzzy. He makes it. I know he didn't write it. I, know, I forget who wrote it, but he. But 
the way he sings it. He's like the Barry Manilow of Epcot. <laughs> He's me. either thanking you or upset at that. No, because uh, it's like some of it's jingly and some of it's like like a ballad or a love song. And this, I mean, this this particular piece, this energy you make the world go round. It is like a love song about energy. I mean, that's the way I interpret it, at least. Energy, I love you. Because Bob Moline just he just explained it all to me. And he explained and- it to you in such a simple way. It follows the Sherman Brothers, that it follows the Alley Sherman, really, directive of keep it simple and keep it singable. And that's, and that's I can't remember what the third one is. That's sincere. A, sincere. And that's exactly what this song is. Well, if I've got my information correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the reasons why this song is like Jason is saying, it's kind of ballady, this love song, is that one of the guys that worked on this song is Al Kasha, who had just come off of his success of the Poseidon Venture. Sing it. And with, come on, sing the morning after with me. Not for all the money in the room. <laughs> it's got to be the more. I love the Poseidon Adventure, and I cry every, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but every time she dies, Manny, take this, give it to our grandson. I cry every time. Sorry. <laughs> Don't watch that before a cruise. That's all I have to say. It's a double feature, Titanic and the Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> but I, I agree. Um, I, I think that score, um, the, the, the Caution and Hirshhorn score that you have at in the pre-show and again at the end of what was a very, very long attraction. Remember, Universe of Energy was about 40 minutes out of your day um, that you were, were taking it. But if you remember the, the Radox squares that used to change in the pre-show with that music behind it, um, I, I loved getting there early to be in that room to listen to that score. Plus, it was air conditioned. Well, there's that too. So it's 40 minutes in the air conditions. Not so bad. Good attraction. Fantastic music. Plus AC. It's great. Yeah. Lisa, did you ever? You have. You never. You have she no idea lie. what we're talking about, do you? <laughs> no, of course I do. I mean, admit it, it. It's just. It's not. It wasn't an attraction that ever just held a very emotional place for me for whatever reason. I think I was. I, I tended to be feeding a child or something while, while I was on there. Um, no, I mean, I, Universe of Energy for me was of the two, the song that I loved the most. Um, it's not one of those ones that like pulls my heartstrings for whatever reason. Um, I do have the fond memory of, we we actually closed on our house when we moved here on August 11th, um, 2017. And the attraction closed that weekend um, on August 13th. Um, and Lou, actually, you had a meetup that um that day so it's one of my very first memories of being here as a local which is you know that last day which was special to me but um yeah i wasn't chiming in much only only because it's it's you know one of the few songs we'll probably talk about today that just doesn't it for whatever reason it just isn't pulling emotional well and when I did think- they stop using the bob moline um so when it switched over to ellen's energy adventure in that year, say, 2003, four, somewhere around there. For a lot of people, though, that that version, and I'll call it the current version, even though the attraction's gone, but 
the score for Ellen's Energy Adventure for a lot of people was one of their favorites in Epcot. And the name Bruce Broughton is going to come up over and over and over again. Um, he is an Emmy and Grammy Award winner, an Academy Award nomination for his work in motion pictures and TV. He has Disney connections in Rescues, Rescuers Down Under and the oh-so-very-popular Bambi 2. But in the parks, The Making of Me, Timekeeper, Ellen's, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, Golden Dreams, Season of the Vine, Cinemagique, the 20, 2007 version of Spaceship Earth, and soaring around the world for a lot of people and much like we were talking about in Spaceship Earth the way the Broughton score rises to this incredible sort of soaring magnitude as you're talking about the epic creation of the universe it very much is in alignment of that and I think what it did was it almost brought the only word that comes to mind is, is you know, majesty to not just the size of the animatronics in there, and I'm not talking about Ellen, but the size of the dinosaurs, the size of that 210-degree uh, wraparound screen, but is that the score, like the attraction, was very long. It was very energetic, and it also touched on a lot of the points that the updated attraction did versus the original, which was it was it did have the grandeur and the spectacle, but it also was it was funny and it was it had a heart to it because there was there were characters in here now, whether it was uh, Ellen or, you know, rest in peace, Alex Trebek or, or and, and Bill Nye. So there was a, a, a different story that was being told. And I think that the the Broughton overture and you know the funny pre-show i think that his score very much reflects the change in the attraction itself yes <laughs> i don't i was not a huge okay just just to be honest and transparent i was not a huge like ellen's energy version fan i like the original more i i like i liked her version of it and i was she wasn't like personally responsible for it but i liked that version of it i just didn't like it as much i don't think it's i don't think it's broughton's fault i think um it had kramer from seinfeld einstein and chris berman back 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 think it had all the (laughs) the makings of of a perfect attraction and jamie lee curtis and jamie lee curtis But take, know. you know what? The next time you're in your car, I, I task you, I challenge you to play the Broughton version of that song and sort of imagine yourself going through the attraction, even if distance yourself from the attraction, because it is a beautiful, soaring, not soaring, soaring grand score uh, on its own. Okay. Challenge accepted. Whatever. You're not going to listen. I'll do it. I'll do it. I will. All right, let's come out from here and we're going to make a hard left into another pavilion which is undergoing, like many, like Universe of Energy, the Wonders of Life Pavilion, which, you know, the there were individual attractions inside, but there was also some beautiful background music. Um, 
that you would hear, some that you would hear here and some that you would hear even in places uh, other than a couple of them uh, were actually in uh, Tomorrowland too, like uh, behind the waterfall. But you, there's probably no way you know unless you're an uber Epcot music nerd that you know the names of Celestial Soda Pop or Forgotten Yesterdays unless you're Jason and love Yanni as much as he does. But there are some na- other names in there, uh, David Benoit, David Lance, that you might recognize. But this music, too, had um, it, it fit specifically into, I think, this pavilion and what this pavilion was trying to uh, share with us and teach us and the way it wanted to make us feel. Like all warm and soft and wonderful inside? that too because and this is another wilkins this is another george wilkins piece right i mean his i mean i think there's other people doing contrib- contributing but george wilkins to me is like the sound of that particular i mean i could be wrong well there were and, and uh, there was there's wilkins in there the bruce broughton actually did the score to making of oh, me you, which you just love bruce broughton well how could you not which by the way quick aside to making of me like if you were an unsuspecting parent like taking your kid to epcot center you're like "Ooh, martin short let's go see the making of me it's not you there's a lot of questions you had to answer on the way out um i learned a lot i went to that attraction a lot i was taking notes feverishly um to, to just figure stuff out but um yeah i mean it you know Broughton sort of had his handprint on that. And you might not remember the Making of Me film or the Making of Me score itself. Again, I, I encourage you to go to Spotify or, or whatever to um, to to take a listen. Uh, even the, the Cranium Command score, which is very, very different. Uh, it's a David Newman score. It's a much faster paced, very manic type of score that fits in exactly with what that attraction was. So while there's no songs per se from the Wonders of Life Pavilion, if you are a Walt Disney World fan, you know, and I, Zach, I saw you nod when I think I said Behind the Waterfall, you know exactly what that song is. I have it on vinyl. You do? Because I'm a nerd. I do. <laughs> I found it for in a $5 bin. Uh, it's on some, you know, new age sounding world instrumental album it's great um but you said uh, celestial soda pop which i always think of the color pink um but really anything by ray lynch um really sets that tone it's it's again it's that new age music and the album deep breakfast you can just don't, put that on and that is future world right don't there. give it to lynch it's all yanni it's yanni <laughs> yanni, yanni. don't I'm I'm shocked that there is a Yanni versus Lynch debate going on. <laughs> I mean, they're both wonderful, but Yanni. I break the, it for Lynch. Yanni's a real oh. son. So I yeah I think I was oh stop it you're just you're just you're just being cruel. Uh, so I was confused. So the, the the warm fuzzy feeling I was I was thinking Wilkins I think is more associated with Horizons. I if I'm not mistaken, it's Yanni sure. that I associate with this particular pavilion. That's why I felt so good inside when you said it. Yanni. I will, I, will Yanni. Leave you, I will leave you guys to, to All I hear is Laurel. Laurel. <laughs> <laughs> Laurel or Yanni? Laurel or Yanni. Um let's move on and and we're gonna go we're gonna stay in the present before we go back because I I do want to spend okay. a little bit of time on what 
the the predecessor to Mission Space is. And while you might not be able to necessarily identify the Mission Space music, which again has that very almost more Tomorrowland-like futuristic uh, feel to it, the interesting thing about Mission Space is who the composer is of the Mission Space score, and it's Trevor Rabin from, yes, that's Break It, Owner of a Lonely Heart. a broken heart much better than I'm not lying to you he also did remember the titans he wrote music for like 40 different films his post yes career was very extensive wow I'm not learning something here I'm gonna write this down so I can again go back (laughs) listen to the score for mission space more importantly I think the music from the post-show of yes, Mission Yes, I was going to say that when you get... Yes, not just yeah. because you're off and you feel better. You're like, oh my God, thank God that's over. But also because... <laughs> yeah, and people just rush out. But if you stand in the hall, you got to stand in the hallway. Sing it. Sing it for us. Not going to do it. No, it's not going to It's happen. called Destiny. It's so beautiful. It's like a 90s R&B song that plays after the summer blockbuster movie. <laughs> that you go home and you're just like, Yes. This is going to be why I buy the CD and just this is going to be my my slow jam home. It was written by Cliff Masterson and performed beautifully, by the way, by uh, Louise Warren. Yeah, it's it's a I mean it's an impressive piece of music and I think the first time I heard it was actually not I mean the first time I recognized or I remember hearing it wasn't in the attraction or after the attraction it was it was on an album um but it's I remember thinking really I don't think that actually is true like I don't think that actually plays after the attraction's finished but it you does. would almost imagine that playing at the end of the night on your way out of mm-hmm. the park like it's the sort of perfect way to because it, it's the same thing the if you listen and and read the lyrics from the song it very much embodies what epcot is through time and space together we race to brave new worlds across the universe i have to catch myself because every time i start saying the lyrics i want to start breaking into song and the lyrics and i'm not gonna do it i am not gonna, I was make gonna it. say if ever there's gonna be a show where you're gonna sing by mistake man i'm listen. getting close you wait till i get to the sherman brothers stuff i'm gonna have to edit this incredibly um, <laughs> but again it's a it's a long song i think it's a beautiful song zach i think it's, that was sort of a great way to uh describe it but as much as i like the music of mission space what we got to do right here is go back, way back, back into time. What we're going to do right here is go back, way back, back into time. And I'm talking about horizons, like horizons all shining and new. There is so much good music in here. Dare I say that the, the new horizon song may be like Epcot, 
the most inspiring of all the music in Epcot Center because I think the, the New Horizons song and the beautiful integration of Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow from Carousel of Progress, because Horizons was meant to be a sequel, yeah, um, makes it... Um, gosh, I could go on about Horizons because I, I love this so much, but I want to give you guys a chance of the, the song and the score from the original Horizons. Oh, I, I I was more of a fan of. I mean, what stood out for me was the was the ambient music in the breakout in the plaza and then the entrance to the space. The transition tunnel is what takes yeah. me back to my childhood. I mean, that just like I'm, I was gonna say, it's almost like returning to the womb, kind of like it's, yeah. it felt like it's just this nice, pleasant, um, comforting feeling that you got, and I think it was all about the music. And the smells. Horizons is literally my oldest memory. Like my my first, my, the first memory I can truly recollect as a child is smelling the oranges and hearing the music on Horizons. And so both transport me back to being four years old um, on that attraction. It was nearly the perfect attraction. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, I, very similar to like Haunted Mansion where it's the same song that mm-hmm. basically goes through the entire attraction, but with different iterations, um, is fantastic. You know, you've, you've got that George Wilkins stuff and he was underneath, you know, Buddy Baker, who that was his shtick through all those early years of Imagineering and then carrying that onto this new wave of what we were seeing in the parks. And it stuck with you. You couldn't help but take that song with you after being on the same attraction for what it, it was like 15 minutes mm-hmm. or, or however long and um it stuck with you it's really really great Plus, well it's, and that- it's really cool the trend like it's transitional in terms of not like not just what disney was and what disney is but even from a from a score standpoint that you had the sherman brothers working with these mm-hmm. other these other uh, composers and songwriters um so you had that old feel and new feel and then you yeah. threw in some synthesizers and things and it was just well, felt you like, almost, it felt like Disney, but felt new. You can't right. talk about Horizons and the Sherman Brothers because the Sherman Brothers actually wrote two songs for the attractions that they didn't use. They wrote a mm-hmm. song called Reach for New Horizons and Tomorrow's Windows. Two bars. <clears throat> One. <clears throat> There's a 
There's a smile on the face of tomorrow Like the heartwarming side of a friend Where we work, where we play Dreams come true every day As we reach for new horizons There's a smile on the face of tomorrow Like the heartwarming side of a And GE was like, uh-uh, not exactly what we're looking for. And it was George Wilkins who came up with this sort of ballad and this sort of ethereal quality to it that is exactly what they were looking for. And that, in in the most lovely kind of way, that haunting loop of the melody line of if we can dream it, we can do it, it was sung by those children over and over again with the backup up, backed up by that very um, 80s spacey synthesizer behind it. Like, it's very easy for us who've heard it to remember that theme in terms of it being the score and then sort of easily flowing into the New Horizons song itself. Picture in a world we've yet to see The wonder It's interesting because Horizons was meant to be a sequel to Carousel of Progress and so many people are surprised by that and you wonder like how much more literal that would have felt if the Sherman music had been used instead because it felt so different. Um, well, some of the Sherman brothers, I mean, some of the music still was in there, right? It wasn't... Um... Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow was... It's in there, right. There's, yeah, there's the, great it's in there, in there but, it's, yeah. right. but it's just, it was just such a different feel. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow And tomorrow's just a dream away And, I and think I've heard too- a demo <clears throat> Sorry, good. I've heard the demo of the Sherman song, the Reaching New Horizons. It's incredibly slow. I mean, it's a beautiful Sherman Brothers song, but if you can imagine that, if you've heard it, hearing that in the attraction, it's just slow. I mean, it's like taking the universe of energy song and dropping the tempo down a lot. And it doesn't have that plucky and and fun bounce feel that we had with the attraction music that we ended up with. So yes, it would have been great, but I love that little nod, especially of great, big, beautiful tomorrow. It's almost like the Marvel Easter egg in the middle of the attraction. (laughs) And I think there's something too, if you really listen to the lyrics of new horizons, I think it very much embodies the spirit of Walt, right? We don't know exactly what Walt wanted, but when you hear things like, have you ever dreamed the dreams of the children? Just imagine their minds can see that sort of conjures up a feeling of Walt, of what Walt would have wanted this prototype community of tomorrow to be. Um, and, and that's why I think that both the song and the Wilkins score, which was all Wilkins, um, it's interesting because this entire pavilion, unlike any of the other ones we've talked about and 
now that I think about any of the ones going forward, this pavilion is all Wilkins all the time. So it very much had his handprint um, all over it. And a mighty fine handprint it is. And if you think back to the attraction itself or go find a, a ride through on YouTube, they um, they did, much like you've heard in, in, in Carousel of Progress even, you hear the song and the score change styles a number of different times. It goes from that you know, European cafe to the swing to new age to a more futuristic digital synthesized kind. So you're able to sort of repurpose that single score multiple times over a, a, a Sherman brothers type trick, actually, um, which is again, all because of, and, and thanks to the, a single composer. Horizons ranks very, very high, by the way. Get get in the car with me. Not that you want to get in the car with me, but if, if Horizon comes on, the windows are coming down. I'm just saying. <laughs> no one ever has to complain when Lou rolls up to a gas station and <laughs> Horizon's blurring. <laughs> says, Turn that down. And then when somebody catches me singing, I usually pick up my phone and pretend that I'm talking to somebody so they don't actually see my... Whatever. Because we all sing to people on the phone. Oh, That's right. All right, let's uh, let's Who is like, this cover sad my whole little face. man. Let's uh let's move on. Again, let's do the same thing. Let's let's sort of stay in the in the present and then we'll move back into the past and we'll go over to Test Track where General Motors really wanted to look at vehicle automobile transportation of today as opposed to the history of transportation that was World of Motion and we'll look at the differences really in terms of what the songs and the score were. And and again, this too has probably one of the most futuristic feeling type scores. Um, not the, the pavilion itself doesn't just have a Tron feel to it, but I think even the music itself does as well. So this music just means so much to me because my kids love Test Track so much. And so like their excitement when I'm in that queue space like when I hear that music, in fact, it, when I was kind of going over stuff for the show today, I was I was playing it and I kind of got those butterflies um, because that and, it, and it's it's one of the many, many songs that like I can tell you how much it moves me emotionally, but I couldn't hum it for the life of me. I can hear it in my head. So, um, but yeah, like it's it, it it's the excitement of the attraction for me. Like I, I can like I associate that music with my little boy's excitement. Um that's and yeah, that's what I've got for Test Track. Well, and do you remember? Do you remember the original song from Test Track? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was the, very sort of hard and jarring. Yeah, it was very industrial. Yeah, yeah. and you and Not there was really. a lot of like sound effects in there. There was like screeching yeah. tires and yeah. car crashes or whatever it might be. Yeah, I very much prefer the the current. Yeah, for lots of reasons, but um, yeah, I can I can hear it in my head probably because I listened to it today. But um. <laughs> did, so wait very quickly. Did you listen to Epcot music in preparation for tonight? Absolutely. How Absolutely. can you not? Probably not all of it. 
<laughs> like when I tell you, like when you messaged about doing this show, I felt this bizarre dichotomy of like the most I've ever felt prepared for a show and the least I've ever <laughs> felt prepared for a show because I was like, this is in my bones, but I can't articulate it for the life of me. And so I spent some time. I did. I, I, I allocated a couple of hours today just to like getting myself in the headspace and like trying to like articulate these huge feelings that this music evokes in me. Um, well, sometimes that's, it's hard sometimes in just, yeah, to just, um, to sort of verbally convey feelings that we know you who is listening probably understands and feels maybe mm-hmm. not every, about every single attraction, but I'm sure there's going to be one that we hit along the way that is going to strike a literal and figurative chord, you know, emotionally. With you. Showcase. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wherever it might be, whatever attraction it might be imagination. Yeah. I'm looking at you. I'm coming at you hard. So get ready. Um, let's go back in time to what I think was and remains a, an underappreciated for many um, uh, attraction World of Motion, you went away too soon. Uh, I think this attraction, and and I believe I did a, a DSI, like a Wayback Machine about it years ago. If not, I'll have to do it again. But this pavilion, this building, and I think even the music were unique among Epcot. And I think that the song remains not just one that's sort of locked in that period of time, but I think was one of the most fun and upbeat and, you know, Zach, to your point, that simple and singable, it's fun to be free song. None of you have actually been on World None of you actually been on World of Motion. I was on World of Motion probably one time in my life. So it's your fault that, that, the, that it went away. See? Jason no, Kanab killed it. World of Motion. <laughs> my favorite thing was the yeah. tunnel, the you know the the tunnel yes. that you through, and that you felt like I would love that. I can remember it. Probably was more than once. I went on the but tunnel it was like, that did the whoosh thing. Yeah, it, the, right, exactly. Okay. So, um, but but the music doesn't for me. I'm sorry, like the music doesn't stand out from that first version. So I want That's you to go back. Out. I want you to go back, and I want you to listen to this again, and I want you to listen to it with with a little bit of different thought maybe in your head, okay? Because it's fun to be free was another Exitensio gem. Mm-hmm. Exitensio mm-hmm. was a, an amazing storyteller who was tasked by Walt Disney to write lyrics. He's not. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm not a lyricist. He's like, yeah, but you're a storyteller. That's why Yoho and Grim Grinning Ghosts are so well done. Um, him coupled along with, with Buddy Baker, another legendary composer. This song... Um, which was on all of those different CDs and albums, the the album of Disneyland and Walt Disney World and um, the Happiest Celebration on Earth album. This, Zach, to your point, this music was very similar to It's a Small World because there were so many different variations, maybe a dozen different variations and iterations of this same song in a single attraction that changes, changed, past tense, based on where it was playing. So there was this this uh, underscore loop, but then depending on where you were in the attraction, the harmonies and arrangements would 
be very different, whether you in ancient Rome like a Charleston or, or version, Raven, right? Uh, what? Like a Charleston version at one point. Yeah, exactly. Kind of so, jazzy. You know, it's almost like Spaceship Earth, sort of like moving through time, right? You got in your little Omnimover vehicle, which was called a chair car, which I thought was the stupidest name in the world, but that doesn't matter. You started in a cave scene, then you went to uh, like traveling over water in a raft, then you were in Babylon. Remember the invention of the wheel? I think this had some of the most iconic visual scenes if you if you ever as you're describing it. it i'm remembering it it's like it was like a dun, 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 then do you remember dun, dun, you dun, dun, went dun, dun, dun. to the to i didn't like christopher columbert oh god Columbus, I, Columbus, then the age I of love flight. The but the music, as I'm hearing it, as I think I'm hearing it, maybe I'm hearing it incorrectly. Oh God, I, I want to sing it so bad, but, but I, I it's, think it's fun good. to be free, to be on the move, to go anywhere with ever a care. It's yeah. fun. Oh, so close to singing. Do it. Do, do it, it, folks. He's doing it. I can't. He's doing jazz hands. He is totally doing jazz hands. I don't. Okay. I mean, people are going to yell when I say this, but I don't. I don't like that. I don't like that song. It may be the only attraction music in Epcot that I disliked. Wow. Remember, you know, speaking of memories, remember when we used to be friends? Uh, remember when Jason used to come on the that show? Maybe, the, maybe that was the theme song to our friendship. It's, but like, it's fun to be free. Attractions, Jason. <laughs> and I, I see, Zach, again, to your point, Zach, you get me. Like, the different musical styles, that jazz and that 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 keystone cop in that little kazoo like say give me somebody give me a kazoo so i can wait from the flintstones <laughs> no not that not the great kazoo it's this is a kazoo <laughs> this was now, actually and you could also hear this in the epcot can entrance. we go to the right side of yes. the park now that's the that is my favorite part of the epcot entrance music it's totally different but to jason's point it is not my favorite of the songs i did like it in the entrance but it's more orchestral in that spot so i'm gonna play devil's advocate in that spot right. i'm yeah, looking yeah. around like should i get a piece of paper and remember you used to like try and make a kazoo sound with a piece of paper whatever yes Two blades of grass. i know what i'm getting you for christmas we only have high class stuff on this show folks i am this close to at least like humming <laughs> it's fun to be free 
whatever. I will um I will do you and everybody else a favor and we will um we will make our way to the opposite side of So close. So close. I was really close. And it's funny because I didn't think that that was a song I was going to sing. I thought it was going to be this one. That concludes part one of our magical musical tour of Epcot Center, specifically Future World. As you can tell, there's a lot to cover, and I really want to try and be as comprehensive as possible, not just talking about current and former attractions and shows and background music, but really giving you a little bit of insight into the people who helped create it, as well as sharing some personal stories and anecdotes as well. Of course, now I'd love to hear from you in terms of what is your favorite piece of Future World East music, your thoughts about Spaceship Earth, and the entrance loop. You can let me know by calling the voicemail and be heard on the air at 407-900-9391 or go to the Clubhouse. It's our group on Facebook at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. I'll post this question there and you can share your thoughts, your comments, and your personal memories. And of course, stay tuned next week as we head on over to Future World West with the Imagination Pavilion, the Land Pavilion, the Seas, and a little bit of Interventions and Communicore, and of course, the Fountain of Nations. Thank you again for tuning in. I hope you had as much fun listening as we did recording. Now on to this week's trivia contest. It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes what you see, hear, remember, or taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. But before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week we went over to Disney Springs and, to a certain degree, back to Pleasure Island because I asked you to tell me what was originally in the location that is the current home of Raglan Road in Disney Springs. First, thanks to the hundreds of you who entered, got this one correct, and knew that originally the building that houses Raglan Road now was home to the Pleasure Island Jazz Company. It was also home to the Merriweather Market Quick Service Restaurant when it opened in 1989 to about 1992. But I was looking for the Jazz Company and or Merriweather Market. If you had one, if you had both, I still considered it correct. By the way, remember the arcade next door called Propeller Heads? Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and again, last week you were playing for all of my digital products, which is my 102 ways to save money for that Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio walking tours of Magic Kingdom, where I take you virtually with me with the binaural sounds of the park behind us through the stories, the history, the secrets, and some of the details. You can find all those, by the way, at www.radio.com. But last week's winner, randomly selected, is... Angela Montesano from Wisconsin. Angela, thank you. Congratulations. I have your shipping address and we'll get your prize package out to you. Well, actually today. But if you played last week and didn't win, that's okay. Because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So this week, it's not a where in the world. It's not a history question. But I want you to put on your thinking caps a little bit. Because I want you to name all of the locations in Walt Disney World where guests can actually ride on or in a train. Now, when I say train, I don't mean anything where there is a series of connected cars like any roller coaster, but something that is an actual locomotive, 
or is at least designed to resemble a train or even have the word train in the title. I'm sure this will be subject to interpretation, but it will be fun nonetheless. So tell me all the locations in Walt Disney World where you can actually ride on or in a train. You have until Sunday, November 15th at 11.59 p.m. To go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the form there. Again, you're going to play for all the digital products, the books, the audio tours, and a brand new WW Radio Cobalt Blue mug. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week and for joining us on our exploratory musical tour through Epcot Center. Again, I'd love to hear from you about your thoughts about your favorite music from Epcot. And the best way to do that is to be part of the community and conversation joining our group over on Facebook. So please go to www.radio.com slash community. It'll show you all the different ways you can be part of the WW Radio community, the running team, and more. Speaking of community, I want to thank some of the new and longtime members of the WW Radio Nation family. I sincerely appreciate your love, support, friendship, and help, and I love being able to give back to you each and every month with exclusive rewards. I want to thank some new and longtime members like Kevin Shea, Phil Minnelli, Simon Rubens, Bridget Schultz, and Amanda Bonner. If you want to not only help the show, but also get exclusive rewards every month, including monthly scavenger hunts, Trivia games, we have access to our private Facebook group, custom Magic Band covers, logo gear, t-shirts, backpacks, care packages every month from Walt Disney World, exclusive live video group calls, early access to events, discounts, and more. You can visit www.radio.com support. Again, it's completely optional, a great way for you to help and help show your support for the show. And please don't forget that a portion of your contributions, which start at as little as a dollar a month, go to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. And speaking of connecting and staying connected while we still can't do Meets of the Month yet, I think we're getting closer. I'd love to connect with you online. I am at Lou Mangello on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Be sure and like the WW Radio page at facebook.com slash WW Radio. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the show, email me, lou at www.radio.com or call the voicemail be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. And yes, that spells out 407-900-WDW1. If I can help you turn what you love into what you do with one-on-one coaching, being part of our weekly mastermind group, or coming to speak virtually or otherwise to your business or online event, you can visit lumangelo.com. And I hope that this and really all the episodes get you excited about coming or coming back to Walt Disney World soon when you are ready to book your next vacation, or if you just have any questions about an upcoming trip to a Disney destination or anywhere on the planet, please go and visit our friends and sponsors over at Mouse Fan Travel. It's who I love. It's who I recommend because it's who I have personally used for coming up on 13 years now. Reach out to them at mousefantravel.com for a free, no obligation quote. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, All I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it by tweeting out that you're listening, sharing a link to this or your favorite episode on Facebook, on your profile, or on a group or a page. And if you can, take just a couple of seconds to rate and review the show over an Apple Podcast. Even if you listen primarily on Spotify or Overcast, a review on Apple Podcasts is super helpful. I'd like to thank some recent reviewers like Dr. N.K.S. White, who says, here's my top 10 reasons to listen to the WW Radio Podcast. 10, it's almost as good as being there, almost. 9, nostalgia, it brings back my childhood memories. 8, 
Lou likes to eat almost as much as we do. Seven, that wacky family. The kids don't fall far from the tree. Six, his Disney experience pluses our Disney experiences. It adds a new twist or a new view. Five, Walt would totally have listened. Four, Lou took his passion for Disney and turned it into his job. It's like the old saying, find what you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. Amen, brother. Three, it makes you want to be at Disney every day. Two, Lou seems like the guy you want to take on vacation with. Yay. (laughs) One, Lou and little Timmy Foster. The bromance, the Mickey and Donald, the Luke and Han, the Rockin' and Groot, and 1B, because there's never just a top 10 in the Lou Mangiello top 10. Mic drop, exit stage left, kiss goodnight, 5. DK Jack says it's positively wonderful with a plethora of spectacular guests. There's no shortage of entertainment. Lou's not only fun and a fantastic host, but his positive energy is infectious and inspiring. And Boo, with lots of O's, 11387530 says, Really great. I enjoy the very amount of topics and guests, including regulars like Tim Foster. Top 10s are some of my favorites. Dr. White, DK Jack, and Boo, thank you and everybody who left a review in Apple Podcasts. Again, just search for WW Radio there, or if you go to www.radio.com slash iTunes, it'll show you exactly how and where to do it. Finally, most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love and appreciate you. But I did also promise you, see, you thought I was going to forget. I did tell you at the beginning why you need to make sure to tune in this Wednesday night to WW Radio Live. It's our live weekly broadcast and conversation on Facebook. So it's not just because we'll be able to talk together live about this week's show and the music of Epcot. It's not just because I have a brand new top five live to share with you exclusively on that show. It's not just because we'll talk about last week's Disney Plus pick of the week, which is the boys, the Sherman Brothers story, but I will have a new Disney Plus pick of the week as well, but also exclusively for those who watch live, I'm going to reveal something new that I've been working on for a while and I want to share it with you there first. Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at www.radiolive.com. Thank you. I love and appreciate you. I hope that this show has made your day better. It's put a smile on your face, maybe a little nostalgia in your heart, and maybe will inspire you to go and spread that positivity, however you can, in any small way, to somebody else. Choose the good. Find the good in everything that you do, and be the good, and spread it to others. You'll be surprised, not just how good you feel, but how good you'll make other people feel as well. That is the kind of contagious that we need right now. I hope that this is your best week ever. I love and appreciate you. Thank you so much. See ya. Hey, Lou, it's Steve Medina. This is the first time I've actually ever called you. Um, I was listening to your uh, your show on uh, Quiet Places. I got a couple of places. Both of them are in Liberty Square. Um, the first one are the two rocking chairs that you'll find next to Hall of Presidents. Um, I like sitting there in the evenings, especially when uh, the parks starting to close and people are heading out. I like to sit there and uh, basically let the crowds go. The other is on the, um, I think it's the south side of the old Christmas shop. There's like a gazebo there. Uh, they used to, I think it used to be a story time area or something. It's a nice place, nice shaded area. Where, um, where you could take some time and just uh, relax and, and listen to the music. Well, anyway, those are my two spots. Uh, 
Thanks for everything you do, and uh, talk to you soon. Hello, Lou Mangiello. This is Victoria Gist from Danbury, Connecticut. Uh, I think it was a couple of weeks back when you and Becky were answering some listener emails. You had mentioned great rides and attractions to do in the dark at Walt Disney World, and that took me right back to my husband and my honeymoon a few years back. We were lucky enough to get to spend a night in the Magic Kingdom on our way back from an awesome Disney cruise. And because the fireworks were just beginning, we got to zoom on to Seven Dwarfs Mine Car. And wow, going on that ride, hitting the peaks and coming down while the fireworks are going off above you was just such a surreal experience. I would definitely recommend to anyone that is when the fireworks return, which I hope happens soon. We are just two months out from our trip back to Disney World. And while I know it's going to be a lot different, I'm so excited and still hoping that pretty soon I'll actually get to see you in the park. Thank you so much for reminding us all to choose the good. I'm uh, really looking forward to hearing what you got next week. Bye. Hey, Lou, it's Christine Morrison from Flower Town, Pennsylvania. And I'm watching my homework, the boys, and I just had to stop. And maybe it's because I had a glass of wine. I'm not sure. But I'm feeling very sentimental because I didn't realize that they had written all of those songs for Annette Funicello. And myself growing up, my father was very, very into music and really should have been a DJ. And I remember many, many a times listening to all those Annette Funicello songs. And my father's also a huge Disney buff. And that's really where I got my love from. And we used to watch all the Spin and Marty episodes and that whole series with Annette Funicello when she was the new girl in town. And um, I can't remember. I think it was part of the... Mickey Mouse Club, but the whole Annette Funicello shorts was one of my favorite things. I just loved all the costuming and the storyline was just fabulous. So I am at the point where they just started working for Walt. And um, I just wanted to call and tell you that it's been a pleasant surprise watching this. And it really has brought back a lot of memories from my childhood with my dad and I just love Annette Funicello. I think she's just awesome and I remember my dad playing all of her music so I will let you know when I'm done but I'm only about halfway through I think and uh, so far it's awesome. Make someone smile. I'll see you guys. Bye.